Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. So joining us today is Tim Sweet. He is the professor of entrepreneurship at Grove City College, and he's also the chair of the entrepreneurship department. Thanks so much for coming on, Tim. Thanks, Sam. It's good to be here. It is just so great to have you. And I, I'm, I'm so excited to get your perspective on a lot of things because you are right in the middle of an industry that has had total upheaval as a result of COVID-19. So before we mm-hmm. get into uh, you know, talking about these sort of misfit entrepreneurial students, first, I just want to hear from you. What has it been like to be a professor during COVID-19? Yeah. Well, there's there's been a lot of changes. We've had to call upon our inner entrepreneurial spirit um, to face this challenge. Um, you know, I teach at a college, Grove City College, which is a, is a residential college. And though we have offered lots of different online courses uh, for students, I would say a lot of our professors had never taught online before, even though I'm thoroughly engaged in you know, digital work and digital marketing and use all kinds of applications. I had personally never taught an online class before, in part because I really value the in-person experience. But mm-hmm. until we, many of us were forced to do this, you know, it, it really was um, something we hadn't thought too hard about. But every professor at our college and, of course, at, at campuses across the nation, I've had to learn very quickly how to take traditional class and to put it in an online environment. So it's been actually kind of exciting to do it. I, I, I took it on as a, as a challenge and as an opportunity to sharpen my skills and to learn a whole new platform of content delivery and, you know, academic management that I, I might not have been so quick to apply had not had I not been forced to do so. I've heard that from a lot of folks that they might have dabbled in these innovations or technologies before, but they admit that they would not have gone all in had there not just been this, you know, force to behind it. Yeah. And and, yeah. and a lot of people have reflected that they've been thankful that they had to because they wouldn't have made that leap and now they see it wasn't quite so scary. And they've yeah. they've been so much more efficient in how they're doing things. Although to your point, up until now, education has been largely very personal, in-person. Mm-hmm. Do you see the future of higher education changing forever as a result of this? Or do you think we're going to get back to where we were pretty soon? Um, I think it's too early to tell. I, I do think that it will be changed forever in some very positive ways. We all now have a whole new set of skills and tools and some experience to, that we'd like to continue to capitalize on because there were many things I think all of us as professors found to be very good about the online, that there were lots of um, opportunities to, uh, to learn and to, to teach from a variety of perspectives. I was able to invite guests into my class that I might not have thought to invite 
had I been thinking only about an in-person experience. And so I was able to uh, connect with guest speakers and um, uh, practitioners from around the country just to enhance that online learning environment for the students. And it was easy. We found, you know, the, the platforms now, no matter what platform you use, there's so many good platforms out there. We happen to use Microsoft Teams as a platform to to um, deliver our content. And um, it, it really worked well. So mm -hmm. I will come out of this with a whole new set of tools and skills that I think will be, uh, will, will at least at a very minimum enrich the educational opportunities for us. That's great to hear. So how about the students? Because I'm yeah. sure they are experiencing this abrupt change differently, student by student. Every student is different, as you might guess. Uh, we had students that uh, flourished in an online environment. Uh, we had some that languished in an online environment. I would say, you know, a lot of our students really missed the social dimension mm -hmm. of being on a campus. Uh, my own son is a junior in college. He's a mechanical engineering major at Grove City College. And uh, so he was here. I was teaching in one room. He was learning in another. But we weren't in the same classes, of course. But uh, I got to see him go through that. He managed quite well. I mean, he was able to really flourish in that environment. Uh, some of my students, I would say the vast majority of my students, you know, put forth an extraordinary effort to want to continue to learn. Some of them, I think, did better in an wow. online environment. Uh, some of them, I think, were able to maximize the efficiencies that they had. You know, they didn't have to to run to class. They didn't have to go to the dining hall. They didn't have all of these other social distractions. Some of them were able to really focus on their work. They did better work as a result of that. And it, it was it was proven in their projects and their testing all the way around. I think it was a good experience. I don't know that they would have chosen that, but the the upside is that they were they were when they had to, like like those of us who are professors, those students who were forced to do so, uh, who who looked at it as a positive opportunity, took that and and maximized their potential. We had other students that. You know, maybe they needed a little more handholding. They needed more accountability. And it was much easier for them to languish um, under the privacy of their own educational uh, experience. It's probably, I would say in most cases, it's the students who might languish also in a social and connected mm -hmm. environment. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just worse for them. Uh, in the digital space. It's so interesting to get your perspective on, on all of that as someone right in the center of it. Mm -hmm. But I'm encouraged to hear that actually for a lot of people, there's some benefits and some best practices that'll come out of this for them. Oh, absolutely. And I think both for students and for professors. Yeah, that's great. That's Again, that's so encouraging to hear. So now I want to ask you about the study of entrepreneurship, because yeah. there's probably a lot of folks listening that said, you know, say what? I didn't think there <laughs> was a major of entrepreneurship. How do you teach entrepreneurship? Well, I mean, there's over the last 
three decades, there's been a lot of really good academic work that's been done in the field of entrepreneurship. It's been something that, you know, is was often looked at as an outgrowth of traditional business curricula, um, whether that was business administration, you know, typically that was the, that's what people know, right? They know that category. I can go to study business. I can go to study finance or accounting or some of the traditional categories of, of business. But entrepreneurship has always been a part of our culture. It's always been a part of who we are as people who love liberty and want to make an impact on the world, but it hadn't really gotten the attention that it needed from an academic perspective. So I'd say, and there's really a lot of colleges and universities that do offer entrepreneurship. You just don't traditionally haven't heard as much about it because it is a little more recent, I would say. And so we're seeing that around the country, there's a demand for entrepreneurial studies on the part of our students. You know, they've done studies of the millennial generation and of Gen Z. Even some recent studies have suggested that as much as 70% of Gen Z students claim they want to own their own business. We're seeing trends, wow. and that's, that's even an uptick from millennials, which was around 50, 55%. So, you know, we're seeing increased interest in entrepreneurship. Of course, entrepreneurship as a, as a discipline, as a, as a business phenomenon, has had a lot more positive uh, press, if, if I could say it that way. Uh, you know, success of shows like Shark Tank, has really raised the awareness of a lot of young people about the possibility of inventing their own product or starting their own business or doing their own thing and succeeding in some way uh, to make some, their impact in the world and to not rely on somebody else for income. So that spirit is very much alive in our culture. Um, and uh, academic institutions are rising to the challenge to create courses. A lot of times it'll start with a, a course in entrepreneurship, and then maybe they'll offer a minor and then maybe a major. We've actually had a major at Grove City College for the last uh, 18 years. And so, uh, you know, we had to go through a, a learning curve because we were fairly early in the process as a as a small private Christian college. It's been kind of rare for institutions like that to offer a full-blown entrepreneurship program. But we started early, and um, it's we actually won a national award a couple of years ago uh, for, for our efforts to build a, an entrepreneurship program. So it's the kind of thing that more and more people are recognizing as a, a valid academic pursuit and as a, a way of framing their life calling. To your point, I've read a lot of articles and pieces of advice lately targeted towards younger generations about having the quote-unquote side hustle. Yeah. And I do see it now that you're talking about it, that this is becoming more popular in society. Even if you have the nine to five, you still have something entrepreneurial in your life. And I get the great pleasure of coming and talking to your students once a semester and highlighting their wonderful talents and unique approaches to problem solving. And as part of that process, we see that a lot of the students are misfits, right? And just to be 
attracted to entrepreneurship in the first place is, is really declaring, I'm not going to go the quote unquote traditional pathway in my career. I want to define my pathway. I want to go my own way. So how have you seen that sort of misfit spirit play out amongst your students? I see it when students are searching. When, when they are unable to clearly define who they are and what they want to do. Typically, when a, when a student comes to us, they're maybe as early as a sophomore, but mostly juniors and seniors in high school. They're, they're coming to have some kind of connection with the college. They're exploring the admissions process. And a part of that is exploring a major. So they're, the whole college choice process really does try to funnel them into some kind of category. Mm-hmm. And choosing a major, I think, is one of the, the big choices they have to make about actually putting a name on who they are. Now, from a Christian point of view, we think about it in terms of, you know, let's let's start with who you are, who's God made you to be, what is your calling, what do you what, what's your sense of what that calling is? Now, knowing full well that that calling may be so far undefined and they may not know for 20 or 30 or even 50 years what God is ultimately calling them to do. In fact, most of us go through life and have a somewhat circuitous path of finding out what we're supposed to do, what we feel we are called to do. And uh, I don't know if it's true for you, but when I was a college student, I had no idea what I was ultimately going to do. I had a sense of what I thought I should be doing and where my life would lead me. But in reality, my life took a couple of different turns that I had, hadn't even had in view. So we want to help them find something that kind of, fit, kind of fits who they are, but will also give them plenty of freedom to define themselves. And I think that's true of every major, right? If, if I want my son, you know, wants to be a mechanical engineering major, but I'm telling you, the last thing any company is going to want to do is put him in a box and tell him what he can and cannot do because he's got an entrepreneurial spirit. He's going to offer so much value no matter what he does. He may end up running his own business someday. I don't know. But part of my job as a parent <laughs> is to help him understand there are lots of opportunities and there's so many pathways you can choose. Take what you've learned and um, just follow that to make some kind of very positive impact on the world. And so when our kids, you know, come to us, we, we help them understand that entrepreneurship is a major that can really help them achieve just about anything they want. You know, a lot of kids don't think of themselves as entrepreneurs mm-hmm. because they have kind of some predefined notions of what that is. Oh, that person must be an extraordinary risk taker, or that person must be an extraordinary salesperson, uh, or they're this, or they're that or they've got a lot of money behind them. Well, that's rarely true, right? I think entrepreneurs are in all walks of life and in just about every discipline. We just don't always call it that. Mm-hmm. Think about um, think about what's happened, right, with us culturally here. What person didn't have to innovate their life over the last couple of months? Amen. Right? Yeah. We had to call upon 
something deep within us to to make changes, to react, and to uh, create value in ways that we never thought possible. Um, my wife owns a dance studio. Well, she had never thought about teaching online dan dance classes before, but had to teach all of her teachers and to engage all of her students um, in ways that, gosh, had not been on her radar screen for a long time. And those of us who are in education had to completely redo the way we delivered education. And I think of anything this, this whole COVID thing has taught us is that we all have a lot more resourcefulness than we ever thought possible. We've got the digital platforms to give us those opportunities. Now, how do we continue to make impact? How do we continue to fulfill our calling? So back to your question on how do we teach entrepreneurship, <laughs> right? That's, that's a big question. There are things, you know, everybody kind of brings to the table some natural gifts and skills, but we teach them a process. At, at Grove City, we teach a lean methodology in terms of entrepreneurship and um, how do you how do you test, take an idea, build a prototype, test that with customers. So we teach, teach them a lot of methodologies for defining a product or a business and uh, giving them a chance to experiment and explore that in a relatively low risk real world setting, if I could say it that way. Yeah, I, I love so many things of what you're saying and, and just couldn't agree more with starting with ourselves and particularly with the students who may not have gone through that exercise before. You know, their experiences up until that point were probably a lot about fulfilling outside expectations. Oh, yeah. either of their teachers, of their parents, of their coaches. And it's rare, I find, that high school students are asked, how would you do it if free to be yourself? Yeah. Because they haven't had that opportunity. And I share with my clients that having a fulfilling life and, and fulfilling career requires checking all three of these boxes, which is your what, your why, and your how. So a lot of times I find that people mix up or conflate the what and the how. In other words, schooling is teaching us our what, right? Gaining the skills, gaining the experiences, gaining the lean methodology to go be an entrepreneur. But if you can have all the skills in the world, but if you don't understand why, you know, what your purpose is, what your calling is, what your passion is, why you get up out of bed every morning, those skills aren't going to do you much good. And if you don't understand how you uniquely apply that training, then again, it, it's going to feel like constantly force-fitting your life, your world, and your career. So I sadly see so many people get that out of order or not even see the full picture of it being three pieces. And it's just awesome to see you promote you know, that whole student coming to your classroom. And then I see the outcomes of that because you're right. I mean, I'm such a big supporter, even what I've seen of the entrepreneurship program at Grove City College, of the students that come out of it. And, you know, you're getting the national awards and for very good reason. So what would you tell a parent listening whose child has come to them and said, 
I don't think I want to do this, you know, classic nine to five thing. I don't really know that I want to wear a suit to go to work every day and sit in a cubicle. I'm not even sure college is for me. Maybe I just want to start my own business, right? And so parents' hearts start beating faster and their palms are getting a little sweaty. How do you help them through that conversation? Yeah, I, I th- I'd say for a, a student who is aware of that at, at a junior or senior level in high school is a student who really needs just to be exposed to a world of academic opportunities that might help to promote, to tap into that why for that student. A lot of times it's, it is a matter of awareness. An educated entrepreneur is going to be much more effective than someone who has to make a lot of mistakes in order to get there. I mean, the fact of the matter is entrepreneurship is very, very hard to do. Mm -hmm. And it does require some kind of education. Whether you pay for that education by by going to a college, getting a degree, and allowing, uh, giving yourself a full breadth of experiences before you actually pluck down your own money or somebody else's money, right, in an effort. That's that's sometimes a lot less costly than taking some risks with your money, your parents' money, or other people's money, failing miserably, and then having to start all over again. So and it sounds so, like the answer for those parents is actually finding an entrepreneurship type degree. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do really think that a lot of people think it's all or nothing. People don't realize yeah. There is this, what I would consider a middle ground. I mean, the entrepreneurship degree is definitely very real world, very practical, very street smart. I mean, you're getting to your point, you're getting that education, but it's also giving those open-ended opportunities for students to really exercise that freedom, take those, you know, within reason risks and experience that. It's not all, you know, book reading and test taking at least from my observation, at all. I mean, they're starting, but you have several students that have started viable, successful businesses as part of your program. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some book learning, obviously, and traditional lecture discussion formats that are absolutely vital to preparing that student uh, for their calling. But we also balance that with some real-world experience as well. Sometimes an entire class... Um, will be dedicated to a a very, very important project. And the students have a chance to learn the theory, but then apply that theory in a real-world project. They're building their own website or working on a consulting project for a large corporation. Um, you know, corporations, they value entrepreneurship too. What corporation doesn't want to be innovative? Is I mean, look at it now. Every corporation in America has said, wow, we now have a new frontier. We have to do business differently. We have to think in terms of innovation. Every every restaurant, every small business, every large corporation has had to do this. And so I think if the, if the COVID scenario has taught us anything, it's, it's that we all need to really tap into that innovative spirit and apply it in a, in a new way. And so when we study entrepreneurship, we're preparing students to take on those innovative roles. Some of them actually don't ever start their own business. They may go to work for a large company, 
but they may work um, and they may work in a traditional role, but they've learned the discipline of innovation and are valued in professional circles for that. Some of them do start their own businesses and are very successful. Others start family businesses or small businesses, or they may want to have a family but have a kind of a side business. There's so many different ways. Or social entrepreneurs, you know, people that want to have an impact on the world, not just because of a bottom line, but because they want to help people. They want to make a difference in somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. So there's so many ways that students can go. Uh, but they do need they need to understand finance. They need to understand accounting. They need to understand marketing. I, I want our all of our students to come out with a, a keen awareness of the whole digital space. It's such a, a powerful platform. You know, we've certainly learned that too, right? Search engine optimization and digital marketing and uh, content marketing and app development, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want them to have a full complement of digital skills uh, as a part of their education as well, and to give them opportunities to put that into play, not just to learn about it, but to learn and to do. I heard from so many employers and HR leaders, even before COVID-19, that they were feeling really frustrated that people had been sort of programmed throughout their lives to just do this one thing. And the system had been built really well to train them to be factory workers, so to speak. But when they got outside of that space, they struggled. And and it was kind of described as a lack of creativity. And and I believe every human being has an incredible amount of capability and creativity. I think it was just untapped for so long that people Mm -hmm. lost that muscle, right? It atrophied. But then what, what the companies were complaining about was, to your point, and especially in the last couple of months, the the light speed, right, at which things are changing and, and because of technology and and just the, the globalization, the job you had two years ago is not even the job you have today. Right. And that mindset of we're going to train you to do this one thing, right, this what, if you have this skill, just keep doing that repeatedly is not working anymore. So we need to train people to take the skill and then adapt it to an ever-changing environment and have the confidence and freedom and creativity muscle flexed enough to get there. And and it's just, it's exciting to hear that you're building up a whole new generation of students that can do that and can lead us out of these crazy times. Yeah. Uh, we certainly, there's such a hunger for that. If families want to learn more about your program, how can they do that? Yeah, uh, they could certainly contact me uh, directly if they wanted to. They could uh, email me at tjsuite at gcc.edu. They could go to gcc.edu, which is our college website, and um, they can look at any of the majors that we we have there. But um, we also have a, a special entrepreneurship program website that they can go to at gccentrepreneurship.com. In fact, we have a center for entrepreneurship that is kind of a unique experience for for our students. It's a very, very robust program that gives our students a lot of real-world exposure to all things entrepreneurial. We do a lot of competitions, and there are lots of um, extracurricular opportunities that they have, a venture lab where they can get coaching and mentoring and even seed money to explore um, 
the the development of a product or, or a business idea. It's it's just a, it's a really well-rounded program. But they can go there to gccentrepreneurship.com and and check out all of the things that we offer. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your story and talking about the wonderful changes that are happening in education, the new opportunities that students have today. We just so appreciate you, Tim. Well, thank you, Em. It's been great to be with you. And um, I'm happy to help any family that is kind of struggling with these issues. And even if they're not looking at our college, if they just want to contact me just to say, hey, how do we, how do we navigate these waters? I'm happy to help. And I hope they take you up on that because I, knowing you for, gosh, probably going into its second decade now, yeah, uh, yeah. I know that, I know you really mean that. You really care about your students and you really care about helping people find their fit. So I'm sure you're going to have a flood of emails coming up. So just get <laughs> ready for it. But at least you're on summer break, right? So maybe oh, yeah. there's a little extra time in there to help these families out. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.